This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 413 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and you, our auditors. This week, we learn about the National Sporting Library in Virginia. We talk to auditor Martha Coors, as she is our listener of the week. And the Horselovers.com product review is the Kensington Platinum Fly Sheet. Listen in, everybody. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, we have a fun show planned for you today, but before we get to our first guest, you've been doing something fun over the last couple of weeks uh, or a couple of days with one of our good friends. Well, I have had the best horsey time in the last two days that I've had in a long time. I got to attend a Daniel Stewart clinic right here in uh, my hometown. Remind everybody who's a new listener who Daniel Stewart is, if they may not have heard of him. Daniel Stewart is the founder of Stewart Clinics, and he is a former U.S. equestrian coach. Um, he was he at first worked domestically within the United States, and then he went over to um, Spain, Portugal. Well, actually, he lived in Andalusia, Spain, and was responsible for training um, the U.S. team riders while they were overseas competing. So the guy knows his stuff. He's written several amazing books, uh, the first of which was that we featured here on Stable Scoop years ago called Pressure Proof Your Riding. And it's essentially how to keep riding while under pressure. Um, it's the difference between schooling at home and competing at a show or riding by yourself and riding in front of other people, whatever kinds of pressures your riding world can put on you. Daniel's, uh, Daniel's clinics focus on how to ride through that pressure. It's, they're amazing. So it's a combination of technical instruction with sports psychology. And he's one of the nicest, most positive, upbeat clinicians you're ever going to see. He's nice. He's funny. He's real. He doesn't smoke, blow smoke up your butt. Like, if you need to learn something, he'll make sure, he will make sure that you learn it in the nicest way possible. <laughs> Now, yeah. you've been scribing, right? Yes. What does so, a scribe do at a clinic like this? Is that a dumb so question? The, the scribe is, uh, well, first of all, the, the clinic was being held at Nora Harris Equestrian, and that's based in Tiverton, Rhode Island. Uh, it's a great facility, and she hosts some pretty high-end clinics now. So Daniel was there participating at Nora's barn, and she had asked me if I could scribe. So I was like, yeah, sure, scribe for Daniel Stewart. Okay. So I trotted my little butt up there, and basically Daniel gives you a clipboard and a purple pen. 
And he sets up his clinic so that there are riding exercises. This was a jumping clinic. So they set up, he sets up a series of fences um, arranged in a format so that it, the, the rider can jump these sort of modified miniature courses. And he'll call out the courses ahead of time. The rider has to ride the course that he's called out. And then they're scored based on how well they they did under pressure. My job is to make sure that I write down all of the things that the rider does. And then we compare that to what they were supposed to do and they get scored. Ah, so gotcha. Okay. I so have it to is almost like a scribing for a test. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. It's yep. similar to that. Yep. Why a purple there's pen? There's math involved though. So, <laughs> so there's pressure everywhere. <laughs> Why a purple I pen? I don't know. He must like purple. Huh. Interesting. Yep. And I know you. anytime that you do anything with Daniel or anybody does anything with Daniel, you come back pumped and ready to ride your horse. Oh, my God. I sent a text to Nora. I was like, this clinic has made me so excited to start riding in a program again. Yep. Like, I wanted to get my horse fit. I wanted to start jumping courses. Of course, Brody's like, he's as big as a house. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, he's I'm not jumping nothing. <laughs> ex-fox hunting backyard trail horse. I'm like, I want to do the jumpers with him. <laughs> He's going, I'll roll over it, but I ain't jumping it. <laughs> well, the thing about this clinic is you you think that it's such a high-end kind of clinic that it's really only made for riders who are already skilled. Not so. There were two groups here. One group was cross rails and the other was ground poles. Now, there was a, a third group that, you know, they did the courses at, I think, two, three. They typically jump much, much bigger than that. But that's not the kind of pressure that Daniel wants to put put the riders under. It's a different kind of pressure. So um, really, it's it's a very accessible course. Very good. Cool. Well, that's fun. Is it over now or do you go back for another day? It's over now, but I have to tell you, Glenn, I'm sacrificing the second half of day two so that I can record Stable Scoop. I You're dedicated. I appreciate I that. Thank you I so much. I'll get the notes later from Nora and Rachel. <laughs> well, I do appreciate that. But definitely um, check out Daniel's, check out his website. It's stuartclinics.com. And he puts out a, a newsletter, which addresses a lot of the things that he talks about in his clinics and seminars. It's really good reading. And then if, you've, if he's anywhere near you in the U.S., even if you can't ride in the clinic, it's worth auditing. Very good. I, one thing I remember about Daniel, and it's something that uh, we, we joke about now, but people, it's a, it's a good thing to do, is you have to have a song. If you're stressed, start singing your song, and everybody has their own, ver uh, their own song. And we remember we talked about that. We were, yep. we were singing songs on the show where he made us sing songs. <laughs> he, he sort of pre-digests things for you so that you can, or, or maybe that's not a good analogy. He, he, he converts ideas, writing and psychological ideas into these little components that you can stick in your pocket. It's like a little toolkit. A song is one of the toolkits and yeah. other mantras when you're writing that you remember. But that's what makes him so un unique and different than some of the other clinicians I've written with is that um, he puts these little things in your pocket and they stay there. They, they stay there. You know, there's it's four, five, six years later, and I'm still pulling out little Daniel Stewart isms from my pockets. <laughs> His books are great too. Check them out. Uh, go to Stewart. Uh, just look up Daniel Stewart, and you'll find it on all the books and everything on Amazon too. 
Well, uh, speaking of shopping, you know, we all kind of get in this thing, and, and it's true of no matter what kind of products you shop for. But if you're shopping for horsey products, you kind of have a pl- one or two places that you go for all of them, right? You always go back to that because it's a place you know your account information's already in there. If you're shopping, like I shop for computers, I always go back to Dell for some reason. You just kind of get used to doing one thing. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you don't go to horselovers.com as one of your places to shop, then you should take a look at that. The next time you go to buy anything horsey, and let me tell you, they have tons of stuff. I was on there today because they brag about having the largest selection at horselovers.com. I went on there and just looked at raincoats. They had uh, 48 raincoats you could choose from. So, I mean, and then I looked at English saddles and I went to, uh, I went to close contact saddles, close contact English saddles. And I looked at the bottom. They have 48 English saddles. Uh, wow. Close contact saddles. So, I mean, the selection is unbelievable. All I'm, and the prices are terrific. So, all I'm saying is the next time you go to buy something, you may have another one of your favorite tack businesses that you usually go to. Uh, make an exception next time. Go here first. Do a comparison or whatever you have to do, but go here first. Go at, Take horselovers.com as one of your options before you make the final decision. Just think about that next time. Take it from Helene and I. The prices are terrific. The service is great. They ship uh, out right away. I mean, you're hearing the reviews that the uh, that the auditors and the listeners are doing here at the Horse Radio Network for all the different products. They're not afraid to put the products that they represent out there uh, for review. They're just a good company, and, and we enjoy working with them and dealing with them and buying stuff. My wife does all the time. Uh, <laughs> she especially is on the flash sale on the deal of the day. She's on there every day. I catch her, and she tries to close it quick, like I, like I don't know, right? Uh, so I walk in and I, if I see it closed, I know she's shopping. And I know it's usually on deal of the day uh, there at horselovers.com. So check them out, uh, horselovers.com. We'll have a product review a little later in the show. But first up, I met a guy by the name of John Connolly at the American Horse Publications Conference in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. And I had no idea this place even existed, but he is with the National Sporting Library. Let's have a chat with him. Hi, John. Welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Hi, thanks for having me. It was good to meet you at the American Horse Publications Conference. And when you started telling us about what you do, I thought, well, this is fun. And we do a kind of a fox hunting segment every month. And first of all, let's talk about where the National Sporting Library and Museum is. Sure. We are in the town of Middleburg, Virginia. We're about 35-ish miles outside of D.C. to the west. And and that and people might recognize the name of that town. It's big fox hunting country, number one. But it's also where the Chronicle of the Horse has been for like a million years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we have a uh, long-standing relationship with the Chronicle of the Horse. A lot of people don't realize we share uh, the same campus together. They're actually right next door to the library, and uh, they we actually shared the same building for about 30 years, from 1969 to 1999, the library and the Chronicle offices were both in the same building. Did Wow, that's convenient. Well, didn't the guy who started the Chronicle have something to do with the, with the museum? Or am I getting that wrong? 
Uh, Chronicle predates us by quite a bit. Um, they got started as the Middleburg Chronicle in 1937, and their first uh, managing editor was a fellow named Jerry Webb. Um, the National Sporting Library was founded by four gentlemen in 1956. I'm sorry, 1954. Uh, and uh, they actually were not located uh, together um, until 1969. So why did these four guys start the library? What was the, they had a lot of books and no, nowhere to go with them? What was the story? The idea was um, to found a research library for everything on uh, equestrian sports and then by extension, uh, kind of traditional turf and field sports. So we cover um, almost every equestrian discipline, um, horse racing, steeplechasing, show jumping, Olympic, Olympic, Olympic competition. Um, we do uh, fox hunting, of course. Uh, and then we also have a fairly large fly fishing collection, as well as uh, some other sports like uh, wing shooting and, um, and, and some other things here and there. Uh, some odds and ends uh, that have uh, come into the library over the, the past several decades. Um, the idea, uh, the, the four gentlemen who founded the library, uh, pooled their personal collections together in order to create a public resource for research on the history of uh, horse sport. And I'm reading that it has over 27,000 volumes? Yes, uh, pushing closer to 30,000. Um, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to to gauge the, the real number. Uh, that's just a number of books that does not count all of our uh, historical periodicals. It does not count... Uh, our 73 archival collections, the tens of thousands of letters, photographs, photo albums, uh, hunt diaries, sketchbooks, uh, and then other other ephemera as well. Jeez, Helena, doesn't that make you want to just go sit there for a day and go through stuff? Yeah, I bet it's a very nice, peaceful, calm place to really engage your mind and your heart. I'm, I'm also interested in the fact that you offer... Um, well, you have a permanent uh, you have permanent exhibitions, and then you have uh, temporary exhibitions as well. Can you tell us about your your permanent collections, which you have there forever? Sure. Now, the, uh, the the organization was founded in 1954 as just a library, but in 2010, uh, after the library had relocated to its new building and the Chronicle relocated to its new building next door to the library, the old building that both organizations had been in called Vine Hill was added onto and modern gallery space added and has been converted into a full fine arts museum. Uh, actually, I'm coming to you from one of the galleries right now. We're close to the public, so it's a little quiet up here for me to be on the phone with you all, and I did good cell reception up here. Um, we do loan exhibitions throughout the year. We tend to have two major loan exhibitions throughout the year of uh, oil paintings, uh, works on paper, prints, sculpture. Uh, and then we also have a pretty large permanent collection of fine art as well. Um, everything ranging from uh, a very large, like 12-foot-tall sculpture right when you first come in our front door um, to very small sculptures uh, and uh, a very large collection of prints and works on paper um, that deal with uh, the history of equestrian sports. Um, all the way up to uh, a very massive 10-foot-wide oil painting uh, by John Fernley depicting the fox hunt in Beaver Vale. Well, do you have a temporary exhibition going on right now? 
We do. Um, we are in the final uh, stages, the last few weeks here, of a show um, from the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts called The French Horse, From Jericho to Picasso. And it covers um, decades of uh, French uh, depictions of the horse, um, not necessarily just the sport horse, um, but, but follows uh, a pretty thorough history of um of the depiction, of course, in French art um, from some of the leading lights. Uh, and we were really excited to get that in this summer. The uh, admission to the museum has been free all summer while the show has been up. Um, and then we are also working right now to open up um, another loan exhibition, which should be opening in August. And that one's uh, another tie-in with the Chronicle of the Horse. It's going to bring back... Uh, pieces of art that were depicted on the cover of Chronicle of the Horse back before they changed their cover format. Oh, so that's great. For many years, it, decades and decades, it, the, the cover of the Chronicle was so very distinctive and had a, a different piece of art on the front. And the new exhibition that's going to open in August is going to bring a lot of those pieces of artwork, which have never been in the same room before, and bring them here to the same building where the Chronicle was located when they were printing those issues. Oh my gosh, that makes me want to take a trip down just to see that. That was my, I loved those old covers. That, I was going to say, how long ago was that? I mean, when I first started seeing the Chronicle, it was still those covers. So it wasn't that long ago that uh, they switched. I can't give you a date when they switched. I believe they may have switched around 2009. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. wasn't that long ago that no. they changed the format of the cover. No. No. And, and, um, Moving along on the on the art thread, I, the other thing that gets me really excited and seriously wants me to makes me want to take a trip down to Middleburg is the sculpture exhibit that you have. The, the featured works are absolutely stunning, especially the one called Stillwater. Can you talk about um, how you select the sculptures for exhibition here? Because they're really they're very powerful. Well, so Stillwater is a part of our permanent collection. It does uh, belong to us. And um, we had quite a few uh, donors donate the money to purchase that piece and bring it here and install it. Uh, it's by an artist named Nick Fidian Green, and he specializes in very large uh, depictions of horses, usually their heads. Um, and a lot of people, it's right inside the front door of our museum. Oh, people gosh. come in. They see it. They don't tend to really realize. But when you come through into Vine Hill, into the older building, and come back around up through the front, you see all the way down the hallway. You see the horse, and oh, it clicks with everyone. And people tend to have a really strong reaction to that when it comes in. Um, a lot. Of I mean, I'm realize, looking at it in two dimensions, and I'm having a strong. It is really different and cool. It's a yeah. very, very powerful. Um, it, it speaks volumes. And it looks like it's big. Well, it's big. It's, yeah. uh, I think with its base, it's close to 10 feet tall. Whoa. Uh, and, and so it's, it's very large. Um, and then usually you need the lights on it right to see it right. Um, and that's the, the eyes look very, very lifelike just based on the way that the shadow falls inside the, the, the sort of sculpted uh, eyes. So, um, it's certainly one of the more memorable uh, sculptures that we have in the permanent collection. You guys are a hidden treasure down there. We like to think so. We're trying uh, trying our hardest to uh, make sure we're a little less hidden of a treasure, uh, make sure that we get the secret out. 
Um, we've got a, a ton of stuff keeping us busy this fall. Um, lots of uh, programming going on. We just wrapped up a summer camp for school children in the area, um, ages 8 through 10. Uh, we've got a summer concert series where the museum stays open and we bring in live bands to play on our back terrace right along Route 50. And people can come up for free and hang out and have, uh, have some wine or some beer and some barbecue and listen to the band play and go inside and see the art for free. Uh, and then we, um, we also do a lot of, uh, lectures. Um, we've got, um, we've got George Morris scheduled to come for a sort of a book signing uh, appearance in September. Uh, and then our fall programming of uh, lectures is going to be off and running. So we we're always busy and, uh, we're working hard to let everyone know that we're here and that we're a resource for people who are interested in all things equestrian or doing any research on any topics having to do with horses. Well, that was my next question. Okay, so you can go visit, and I see the hours are, are Wednesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's in Middleburg, mm-hmm. Virginia. The website is nationalsporting.org. But if somebody's also doing research, maybe for whatever reason, or they're doing research and they wanted to contact you to help them with that research, but they're in California, is that something they can do? That is something that they can do. We answer research requests from all over the world. Um, We see visitors from all over the world as well, but we understand it's sometimes a little bit challenging to get to Middleburg to work on your project. So we do our best to answer research questions and help provide people with direction, even if they can't get hands on on some of the items that are in our collection. Uh, We're not a lending library, but we do loan restricted through the interlibrary loan system, meaning if people identify a book in our collection, we can send it to their library locally and they can read it there. Um, so we, we do our best to try and help people from all over the country as well as in other countries. Um, something else that we do uh, every year, we do raise funds for our fellowship program, the John Daniels Fellowship Program, and we bring in uh, scholars from all over the world to come here and live on campus and uh, experience our collection and really uh, dive through for their research projects um, in a sort of dedicated, specific, exclusive access sort of basis. Wow, very cool. Well, you can find it at nationalsporting.org. Go there and check it out. I know the Carriage Association of America, the CAA, which is located in Lexington, Kentucky, has about a million books there, too, and and goes way back in history, and will do the same kind of research if you're looking for anything that's uh, driving or carriage-related. But uh, this is very cool. I did not know about it before I met you, so I'm glad uh, we're letting a, a few thousand more people know about it. Well, thank you so much for having me, and we'll look forward to seeing you all out here in Middleburg whenever you're next in the area. And our Listener of the Week this week is Martha Coors. It is the Year of the Listener, and now our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Well, our Listener of the Week is Martha Coors. Is it Coors? Coors, like, like the, the beer, beer. spelled differently. Yeah, so yeah. are you a direct yeah. descendant of Coors beer? No, nowhere close. Oh, okay. K-O-E-R-S, sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't even... be at work right now. <laughs> <laughs> She'd yeah. be at my house. We'd be out riding ponies. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'd be traveling around to visit everybody. Well, for, cheery beer all over. Well, for international listeners, uh, Martha lives in a place that's freaking cold. Uh, she is in the <laughs> Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is basically Canada. And uh, mm-hmm. and as I I've never been to the Upper Peninsula, but as I understand it, it's just open and cold. Am I do I have that right? 
Pretty close. Yeah, the, the other term we use for it is God's country. It really is a um, beautiful part of the country. Um, we're right on the shores of Lake Superior, which is the largest of the Great Lakes, as you know, the freshwater. And um, I can be in a, you know, a college town, which has a lot to offer. And in five minutes, I can be out on the trails and not see anybody. So um, I love it here. It's a great place to be. Cool. Now, how far are you from, say, uh, Horton Bay area? Uh, Horton or Houghton? Okay, maybe I'm wrong. How about this? How about Lake Charlevoix? Lake Charlevoix, I believe, is in the northern lower peninsula of okay. Michigan. See, Clearly. if you look at a map, you know, there's the mitten, that's Michigan. Yeah. And then there's that, that stripe of land that kind of goes perpendicular there. That's the Upper Peninsula. That's where I am. Oh, wow. Way, Way up there. Up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you're question. talking about, yeah, you're probably talking Houghton Lake and Charlevoix. That's in the northern lower. So that's probably about five, six hours down. South So of it's funny because you look at <laughs> Lake Charlevoix, you're like, wow, that's big. And then you see this, this little, like, coastline just to the northwest of it and you're like what's that and then you you zoom out you're like oh that would be lake michigan (laughs) i'm such a oh yeah yeah Yeah, zoom further and look at superior (laughs) i get it all right they have a nickname for you that live up there don't they they do. They call us Youpers. Youpers. that's right i knew there was i knew there was a nickname for that come from Youpers. that's cute yeah, well, the UP, Upper Peninsula, UP, so then they've kind of adapted it, and they spell it Y-O-O-P-E-R. Youper. Okay. You're a youper. Well, I am not a youper. Oh. I wasn't born here. Oh, but you're an invader. I'm, I'm a mother of a youper, so that's uh, just as good. Okay, that, oh, that counts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, yeah. you're good. <laughs> you can stay. And that's probably... I'm allowed. You know, the Upper Peninsula sounds like the kind of place where, unless you were... Unless you've been there for 40 years, you are not a local. You're right, yeah. yeah. But it actually is interesting that there's a lot of first generation, you know, not first anymore, but there's some folks that, you know, within their grandmother line remembers their family coming over. So, um, but yeah, I think as the time goes on, it's getting further and further, but more so in some of these smaller communities, they can yeah. trace right back. You know, there's when I used to do home health in the area, they would talk about, Oh, this is the Italian part of town. This is the Finn part of town, and those kind of things. So it's kind of interesting that way. Are there a lot of horses in the Uper country? There are, amazingly. There are a lot of horses up here. And I didn't realize that until I kind of got into horses uh, probably about eight, nine years ago um, when we started looking for my daughter's horse. It was like, what in the world? How do these people take care of all these horses? I mean, there, there's a lot of horses in this community, yes, in this area. And is it mostly English, Western? Do people show? And if they show, do they have to drive like 12 hours? <laughs> What's the story? Um, they have a pretty active uh, Western pleasure, um, you know, I guess uh, English pleasure uh, show circuit in uh, several, several of our counties. Um, there are some people that will go down to Congress. There's some AQHA shows. Um, you know, a few dressage, kind of small community shows. So there's enough. There's uh, more and more folks are getting to, um, I can't think of the name where they go, sorting of the cows. Um, Cow sorting? 
<laughs> no, with the, the competition where they yes. have to, you have to go in so many numbers and it's yep. speed time. I can't think of the name, but so you, there is a lot of different things to do. I don't have to travel 12 hours. Yeah. There's no eventing though up here. So. I imagine mm. though, if you're a trail rider, you probably have lots of spots. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the farm where I board, we border someone has 200 acres that they allow us to use and it's just beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. the nice it, thing it, it of being up there yeah. in the, away yeah. from the beaten yeah. path is yeah. that you people yeah, that you can... use their land. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, tell us about your horse. Oh, well, I currently have a um, 13-year-old Frisian Arab cross mare, and um, she and I have been together since September. Um, I a this time last year. A frere of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's uh, she's a bit of a diva, um, but uh, okay. I came you cross through. a Frisian with an Arab, and you don't end up with a diva. I think that's going to be the I, exception, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. What am I? I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we're just kind of coming together, meeting. You know, getting. I had um, before her. I had my first horse as a newbie horse owner. Of course, you know, I I went and got a. 17 year old something uh, off the track thoroughbred mare. So, cause that's what every uh, newbie does, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what every, <laughs> that's what every new horse owner needs. <laughs> yeah. And you know, she was very patient and taught me, but she unfortunately passed away a year ago from colic. So I kind of started that whole horse search and, um, ended up going actually downstate for a horse, vetted a horse, was told, uh, you know, nope, don't get her. She's got, he's got navicular came back and then um, come to find out this horse was essentially in my backyard within 10 miles of where I was. And uh, my vet had seen her and finally I was able to connect and brought her home in September. So we've been kind of just getting used to each other. She's a, she's a bit on the heavy side, so we got to work on that. But uh, so her body is all Frisian. There's to look at her, you would think um, there's not much Arab there, but her attitude is all Arab. So, um, <laughs> So we're just kind of, you know, working that out. But I love the mares. You know, it's a love-hate relationship some days. But uh, you uh, you got to, once you get them, you're good. And so we're just working on that, getting it out, figuring it out. So. And I assume she was broke that you got her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. she was broke. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she, it's just the fine-tuning, you know. She hadn't, she'd been um, kind of passed around for a while. Um, her last owner, uh, had some unfortunate things, so she had a, she couldn't keep two. So she had had her a year and the person before her had had a year. So, you know, I think, you know, she may just have to figure out, okay, this lady means business. Yeah. She's not going to dump me off in <laughs> 12, 13 months. So very we'll get cool. there. That must be a very pretty horse. Dapple gray, Frisian Arab. That's going to be a pretty horse. She is. Yeah. I'm partial to, uh, the grays. Um, my uh, off the track thoroughbred was, um, flea bitten gray and, um, just, uh, I don't know something about those grays. So. And you have no mud where you are, so it's fine. I, no, 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 we have no, no mud, no at, mud all. at all no, out there. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, so you don't, you don't, you're at this point, you're a trail rider never competed. I used to at the UPH shows, but I got sick and tired of taking the ribbons from the five and six year olds in the walk truck class that I was in with my thoroughbred. <laughs> because her canter was Those a little wild. Those kids hate that when you're always taking their ribbons. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think we actually pointed out at some classes, they kind of said, oh, you're done. And um, it really wasn't her thing. She kind of was kind of anxious. And um, so, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but it's no fun when you, you know, you go to lunch your horse first thing in the morning and she's a kicking wild fucking bronco. So um, I just, it wasn't our thing. It's okay. Um, my trainer, this with this one says, I'll, uh, we have some dressage in our future. That's what we're working on training, basic dressage, but, um, we'll see. So how did you hear about the horse radio network, Martha? I think it was, um, about six years ago when I had gotten my first horse, I was kind of looking for something, um, you know, T radio up here is kind of the same old, you know, and so I, you know, I think I must have upgraded to an iPhone something by then and um, just look for podcasts. And that's where I found you guys and have been with you ever since. Wow. Um, Long-term listener. Yeah. So at least 2010. So, I mean, I know I was talking or listening before Jamie had the baby. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> so you've been with us for a long time. You're not sick of Helena yeah. yet? Not at all. No, I, this is all I listen to. I, you know, I, on the way to work and, um, actually I'm kind of a little behind. I've seen all the posts in the auditor, uh, site about, uh, Mondays. Uh, yeah, yeah we're not going to go into that. <laughs> okay. But I was, I was like, Oh, golly gee, what happened now? So. <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening and being a long-term fan. We, we love you guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, thank you for being an auditor also. Uh, hey, no but, problem. But now it's time to get on the uh, pedestal, and Helena is going to okay. ask you some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Okay. Let's Are go. you ready? I am. Martha, tell us what yeah. is your favorite food? I would have to say an East Coast, going back to Jersey Shore, steamed clams, fresh corn of the cob, and Jersey blueberries. Mm. You just There's, hit Helena's heart right there. You did. My mouth just I watered. Know. My mouth just I totally know. Watered. I know. So then what's your least favorite food? I would say raw anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like things that should be cooked like raw um, fish or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. How yeah. about vegetables? Do you I eat mean, salads? I do veggies. Okay. I do lots right. of salads. Just check. In fact, that's when I do my, listen to you guys when I do my prep time on Sunday mornings. Oh, I'll that's and, awesome. And cut my veggies up, yeah. Now I'm going to... Glenn, now, we can make that recommendation because that's what Nicholas Snap from the Make It Snappy Productivity uh, yep. Show, yeah. right? I wanted to email you after that and say, that's what I do. You that's know what I awesome. kind of miss is Kat doing recipes. I don't know if you guys like... I don't know if the listeners like the recipes, but we, fun. Yeah. we love doing that. <laughs> so I miss that. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm going to do now. See, I'm going to listen to Nick's show now while doing my Sunday prep. I already listened to the Horse Radio Network shows. So. I think I'd be cut myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he has such a soothing voice. He does. Yeah, Nick does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is supposed to be rapid fire. I never get the rapid part. Right? Okay. <laughs> I know. That's all right. All right. What's your biggest equestrian pet peeve? Um, people who don't respect others' property or time. You know, um, things get left behind accidentally, and rather than put them in a lost and found, it's like, oh, I found it. Or, you know, my time's too important so I can leave a mess behind for someone else to pick up. Wow. I don't blame you there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, it's always the, it's so funny. The equestrian pet peeves are 99.9% .9 about people, which I find yeah. fascinating, right? Yeah. Do you have exactly. a favorite? Okay. So, so the people who don't 
trigger your peeves. Let's assume there's one. <laughs> that would be your yeah, favorite professional one. or celebrity equestrian. And who might that be? You know, a lot. Um, I haven't really focused in on any one celebrity. Um, but I would say, you know, I thought about this. My favorite equestrian professional would be my vet. And not because we have, I just have a lot of respect for her. Um, she was the one that literally when I was looking at that horse kind of said, um, she just spoke to me and, and how I needed to hear it. And I just appreciate that, her, her honesty. And then I also appreciate all the barn owners that I've had in my short horse career and what they've taught me and, um, good, bad, and indifferent. So. Cool. Cool. Describe yourself with three words. Oh, that wasn't on the pre-question. <laughs> I'm sneaky like that. So um, we love you yeah. anyway, but you got to answer. I know. I would say um, loyal, honest, and um, pretty steady. That's the kind of person you want as a friend, right? That's the kind of horse you want in your barn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, true. Yeah, well, uh, that's funny. I like that. Oh, gosh. We're going to have a party. Martha's going to come over to my yeah. house. We're going to eat corn and seamers. <laughs> We're going to talk oh, about how young. young we are. <laughs> okay. What's the most terrifying thing you've ever done? And this could be on horseback or on the ground. And would you do it again? I would say parenting. <laughs> That's a really good question because the second part of it is what you do. Do it again. <laughs> How many times did you do it? I did it once and um that's enough and you know I still am but grateful she's uh, an adult now, a young adult, but I just think that was the the one thing in my life as I thought about that challenged me and I really had to step up and sometimes put my big girl panties on and do some scary stuff that was uh, that process. So, yeah. It, it is terrifying at times because not only does life present mm-hmm. its regular challenges, sometimes we're faced with challenges above and beyond your typical parenting yep. roles. Um, yep. But you, you do have to step up your game you, in ways yep. that nothing else in life can really prepare you for. Um, but yep. you learn. It's where you do some incredible inner growth and learning. Yep. And you just cross your fingers, close your eyes, and hope the hell that your kid turns out okay. Amen. <laughs> right? That's it. And you got it. Like, I hear I you. I cannot control this. I just have to grab yeah. some mane and go. Amen. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Moving on. If you okay. could have a superhero power, what superhero power would you choose? I would want to be invisible. And then I would want to be able to respond like verbally with a laugh or a giggle and not be heard. <laughs> <laughs> She's got yeah, a so people would side just, there. You would be <laughs> floating around people yeah, secretly, right. creepily, yeah. and then you would just giggle. She's got a voyeuristic yeah. evil side there. As well. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. Well, just, you, know, when there's, you know when some people, when you know they're kind of just making not the best choices in life, or and then when they just kind of are... Or less with what happens when they make those choices. <laughs> you just kind of want to You go. could spy on your child and freak them the heck out later. <laughs> you really could. <laughs> just thinking. Good yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. Helena's thinking, oh, that'd be nice. I gotta use that one. I know. Well, I, 
No, I was thinking when you, you know, think, talking about creeping out your kid, you know, it's, it's, you kind of want to pay him back for some of the challenges they put you through, <laughs> intentional and otherwise. I remember telling Grace once, she was making these funny things, she was doing these funny things, oh, she was making naughty faces at me because she was mad that I told her she had to clean her room. And so she was making these faces and I do not lie to my child. I try very, very hard to be as honest as I can with her. And she yeah. was young. She was probably seven, maybe eight. And I said, if you keep making those faces, your eyes are going to get stuck that way. And the look of horror on her face, <laughs> she believed me. And I felt so bad in that minute. I was like, oh, my God, that's so not true. I just made up a huge lie. And then it got even worse. She was like, you, you lied to me? <laughs> Her whole world fell apart in one statement. They know how to use it, don't they? <laughs> See? Scary. Pretty dang oh. scary. <laughs> yes, yes. So, God, there's just no winning with kids. No, All right, last no question. Fun. Yeah. If you could ask your horse a single question, what would you ask? How long are we going to do this? <laughs> And what can I do differently? You know, this this power struggle. Like That's a compound question. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm sorry, but yeah. Okay, how long are we going to do this? How long are we playing this game? (laughs) Yeah, how long are we going to play this game? When are you going to kind of figure out that, hey, let's just work together. Don't fight me. Eh, you know, sometimes it takes time and sometimes they come around and sometimes they don't, just like children. Yeah. 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 I had mares too. I, I get it. Uh, you know, uh, people pick on mares, but my favorite horse was a mare. You know, I think so. You know, it's like anything else. You can't use the mare gelding thing or stallions even. It, they all just have their own personalities, and it doesn't they matter. Do. doesn't matter yep. what they are. Eunuch, it yep. could be the same, yep. you know? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just but, like we do. You know, you just, <laughs> so, yep, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere unless she, you know, decides to take off. But that would kind of be a crazy thing to do because, you know, where are you going to where else are you going to go where you get treated so well? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, my whole thing is that I, you know, if I ever should die and come back, I want to come back as a, a, a horse of a middle-aged professional woman. <laughs> <laughs> they have it pretty good. They're pretty spoiled. You're right. <laughs> you got it. So, uh, so still, uh, that's, uh, well, Martha, thank you. Gig. thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And thank you again for being a listener for so long and for being an auditor. Hey. No, no problem. Thank you guys for all you do and showing up every week. I appreciate you too. Thank you. Oh, it was a pleasure. Up next in this Tack and Habit segment, we have Melody Hollis. And Melody is from the middle of America, the Kentucky area. And she's where flies are in season. <laughs> and she's going to review for us the Kensington Platinum Protective Fly Sheet with Sure Fit Cut. That sounds super fancy. I hope it keeps the flies away. Well, Melody, I'm super envious because you get to try out one of my favorite brands, which is Kensington. And we're smack dab in the middle of fly season. I know my horses are going gaga out in the barn because the flies are just up their nose, in their eyes, biting their bellies. It's pure misery. And I can't ever seem to find a fly sheet that works for them. Now, you have tried something 
that's fairly new. So it's the Kensington Platinum mm-hmm. Protective Fly Sheet with something called the SureFit Cut, which really intrigues me. So tell me about what you got and how you liked it. Yeah, so um, I, I have a really sensitive thin skinned mare. So I've been through a lot of fly sheets just trying to find something that'll give her a little relief. She gets welts all over her body. So um, she definitely stays covered all the time in the summer. Uh, so this is great um, to get to try something new. And um, it's Kensington, which is a great brand and um, definitely one that uh, I've always got my eye on. <laughs> So, um, it, yeah, the the cut of it is really great. Um, I, I mean, I have a typical horse, <laughs> so um, she's not hard to fit usually, but um, this cut was, was great for her. Um, she can move in it fine. It, it stays put. It doesn't slide from one side to the other. And... Uh, See, that happens to my horse all the time. Like, it's I'm yeah. constantly walking over and, like, pulling down the left side of his sheet. Yeah. And it's always the fly sheet. Like, what do you do out there? Like, I know, right? <laughs> I think it's because they tend to lock one stifle more than the other when they, when they yeah. stand around. And so just yeah. from repeated naps throughout the day, I think the blanket, the fly sheet just tends to shift. That's my theory anyway. Yeah. I think the flies are moving it. Could, the big, there's some big ones. Now, Melody, where are you? Where are you based? What area of the U.S. do I'm you in, live in? In Central Kentucky. Okay, so what kinds of flies are the worst offenders where you are right now? Oh my gosh, all of them. The the little horse flies, the gigantic bomber flies, the green flies, the deer flies. All of them. They're horrific. Everything. And I only have one horse and a mini, so you know, from a mile away, they just swarm to my poor one horse. Mm. So um, the mini is not sensitive at all to flies. She doesn't have to wear anything, but the quarter horse, go figure. He is very sensitive. So, what um, is he? Is he a, uh, what kind of court? Is he chestnut, a bay? What kind of, just do, do quarter bay. horses come in? We don't have bay quarter horses, do we? How can, do I know anybody with a bay quarter horse? Uh, you said yours is bay, right, Mel? Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. You do you know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I had a I had a chestnut quarter horse and and he was just sensitive to everything. There was you could really? look at him sideways and he would yeah, he would start to swell up. Well now yeah. so does this so have... you have everything. You have everything possible there that could be dive bombing your horse. And do you yeah. find that the actual material is enough to protect because sometimes when they try to make the fly sheets thin enough to be cool, you do you lose an yeah. element of protection and those things can bite right through the, the mesh. Yeah, this one is actually that thick, um, almost plasticky kind of weave, yep. um, like like you would find on lawn furniture and stuff. So it is a heavier weave. Um, it's not like a light fabric. Does it um, breathe? Do they get hot under it? I feel like it does. It has pretty large size holes, but because it's so thick, I mean, I've watched the flies. They can reach through the holes, but it's thick enough that they're little or the way we call them aren't long enough to actually get to the horse. I think it's the proboscis so, or probe. Per, you're right. Probi- but right. I don't know what the plural would be. Probiscai. The probiscai. <laughs> Look at you, Miss Nature over there. Yeah. Coming up. yeah. <laughs> Pro- I want to see what the, what the plural is of that. So does this have the crisscross belly straps and the le- uh, rear leg straps? 
Yeah. Okay. And um, I have to say, I've bought Kensington stuff before, and my favorite thing about them is that they use brass snaps, like all brass hardware. Ah. Oh, um, amen. Great. The other ones freeze up. It's like, you know, I don't know. I guess they use like nickel plated steel or whatever. But after a week of being outside, you can't unsnap them. Yeah, you don't find all brass fittings anywhere in anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I used to look for halters, turnout halters that had solid brass fittings, all brass fittings, and mm-hmm. they're like gone or they're, you know, crazy priced these days. So it's right. nice to know that these yeah. guys took paid attention to that very important detail. Well, let's yeah. take a look here. It is, uh, let me take a look. I go to horselovers.com. It is out for sale right now at Horse Lover. Wow. For $114, down from 179 And, you know, everybody's out there right now. The first round of fly sheets usually have been destroyed by this point of the summer. Yeah. So you're getting your second round. Do you so think it's worth 100 <laughs> This is peak season right? to be buying. That's a good price for peak. And, and usually Scooter has destroyed uh, the other horses at this point. So uh, worth 115 bucks. I think so, definitely, yeah. Great. Well, thank yeah. you, Melody. We it's appreciate you uh, you playing with the toy. Yeah, thank you. I was happy to do it. Well, you can find Helena and uh, all, what she does in her real life, other than scribing for Daniel Stewart and talking on the radio here. She also does some work, and you can find that at... You can find me at sparkleandboom.com. We are now Sparkle and Boom Marketing and Media. Ooh. Fancy name now. Isn't that cool? I came up with that the you other day. You keep adding to your name. It's going to be well, Sparkle and Boom Marketing and Media Consulting for your everyday needs pretty soon. Everyday You know, this we isn't going to fit one... on a business card soon. Well, it's funny because I've, I've, I've worked for myself for the last 14 years. I've run my own company. And we started out as a marketing agency specifically for equestrian businesses. That's how we got started. And things just sort of expanded. So now we do marketing for everybody, although it's still small businesses of which there are plenty of equestrians. So if you have an equestrian business, you're an equestrian business owner, give us a shout. We can hook you up. Very good. And of course, you can find all the past episodes of the Stable Scoop Show at stablescoop.com. I want to remind everybody, too, about our app. You know, I think it's 26,000 people now have downloaded our app. So if you are not listening on our app and you want to give it a try, it's simple, it's easy. It's probably the simplest way to listen to all 10 of our shows. Just go to horseradionetwork.com. If you haven't given Healthy Critters a try, Healthy Critters Radio, they're kind of funny. The ladies over there and Jennifer joins in on that conversation. They're talking about chickens and, and dogs and cats and horses. They just talk about a little bit of everything over there. And uh, Whole Foods and Natural Eating and all that kind of thing, then if you haven't listened to that yet, it's on the app, Healthy Critters Radio. Well, that's it, Helena. That's plenty. Thank goodness it's been a long day, but it's always nice to spend it with you and our listeners. There will be more next week, however. Until then, happy scooping. (laughs) 